When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And we are here today to cover Junie B. Jones and her big, fat mouth Mm. by Barbara Park. (laughs) We sure are. So, sorry cuties, we catfished you. We really talked a big game about neighbors from outer space. I think that reading a sixth grade (laughs) reading level book last week, I think it broke us. Donnie has COVID. My brand new air conditioning unit has gone out already. I blame Janie. Janie is somehow to blame for this. Yeah, she is. Probably she just imagined it the whole time and didn't talk about it at all. Because that's what <laughs> that's what the book was. Literally, the way that we talked about Face on the Milk Carton last week was like, we had been instructed to read the Bible <laughs> cover to cover, the Odyssey, <laughs> some like really, really intense, high level book but no just sixth grade and I think it truly did break us so if you read Neighbors from Outer Space in preparation of this episode don't worry that one is coming we will be covering that book and also if you like to be prepared if you like to read before we recap you can literally read this book (laughs) Junie B. Jones and Her Big Fat Mouth in about 20 minutes like 20 minutes if you take a break you get a snack you get a glass of water (laughs) so just hit pause and I'll see you back here before you can say Junie B. Jones. So fast. I didn't know there were chapter books this quick. Well, I mean, it is meant for first graders. And I think for us, I think that we've really found (laughs) our sweet spot for literacy. Next week, I'm working a Big Brother party in D.C. And then I'm visiting you Friday through Sunday. Mm -hmm. So that takes some scheduling days off of the calendar. So for next week, I was looking for a book to cover. And like I refused when I was Googling, refused to look at anything past the third grade reading level. (laughs) And then even then, The Giver was on one of the lists. I was like, no, no, they don't really understand what I'm looking for here. We're not looking for a third grade gifted and talented program level book. We're looking for... A level that we can read. Yes, I want a book that a child in that grade will be reading for fun, not that they have to read for school, not that a teacher is going to help them with. I just want a little nerd in the corner on a beanbag. That's the book I want. Mm -hmm. You know, we never have to go on that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Because five episodes into covering books, we've got our answer. And I thought English was my best class. Imagine if they asked me geography. Forget about it. This book was originally published in 1993. The top movies of this year were Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Firm, The Fugitive, Sleepless in Seattle, and Schindler's List. Oh, wow. Saw most of them. And then also in 1993, Michael Jackson was interviewed by Oprah, played the halftime show, and was accused of child molestation. So just a big year across the board for MJ. And then Beanie Babies were the number one toy in the United States. Hmm, Okay. I bet Michael Jackson had those at the ranch. (laughs) (laughs) 
I wanted to know, because when we posted that we were covering this book, cuties were excited, delighted, horrified. People had a lot of opinions (laughs) on our gal JBJ. So here's just some of my faves. I loved these books as a kid. Last year, I started reading them to my kids and whoa. (laughs) Another cutie says, a problematic queen. Okay. Yeah. This one, I had to check that it wasn't you submitting your thoughts. It said, I tried to write my own once where she sells the garage at a garage sale. (laughs) That's a good plot, though. It really is. And then... (laughs) Somebody said, lock her and Caillou in a cage and let them eat each other. I was going to ask if this is the ugly female version of Caillou. We are five minutes into this recording and Donnie is calling a kindergartner ugly. Well, only sometimes. And let's just jump right into that. On the cover, and I have been told this is a new cover. I posted it and someone was like, that is not the cover I know as a kid. So we'll ignore that. But even on the inside, they post like a class photo. I don't know if you can see it. I'm holding it up. A class photo of her friends and her teacher and all that. She looks so cute in that photo. If I was the teacher, when they walked into my class the first day, she would be one of my favorites based on looks alone. But then when we get to the actual photos of what she looks like in (laughs) class, she looks... (laughs) She looks like the bank tellers from Harry Potter. She is truly (laughs) ugly. I have never seen such a goblin looking child. She looks like the orphan, that old woman who's pretending to be a child. That's what she looks like. Okay, hold it up again for the Patreon cuties. That. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) I think she's cute. In that photo? Absolutely not. Okay, I think that this is actually a very accurate depiction of picture day versus reality. My girls are a hot mess. I really do believe in them dressing themselves, feeling good in whatever they pick out. They walk out, they're strutting their stuff in the most ridiculous, outfits I've ever seen. But then on picture day, they look like little darling angels. Mm. Well, I think that is pretty person privilege because I think your girls are two of the cutest girls I've ever seen. And because of that, I can tell they look like hot messes, but still cute. They are TV versions of hot messes. Okay, so I will accept that compliment. And you know what? You really do know the way to win an argument with me because I'm not going to deny that my girls are (laughs) fucking adorable. So you know what? Yeah, fuck Judy B. Jones and her ugly face. (laughs) I can't wait to hear what you think of her. Oh, I have many thoughts. But while I have this class photo out, we'll post it in our Instagram. If I was this teacher, I would only have two kids that I liked in this class. Based on looks? Well, I think it's half and half. I'm really glad that you are not an educator, Donnie. (laughs) But if we're going to be shallow about it, go ahead. Well, I am shallow. My parents have told me that since I was a child. And they always tried to make me not. But (laughs) you can't mess with greatness. Jamal Hill. Let me try to show you him. He would be one of my favorites. He's clearly the gay one. He's wearing a fashion scarf favorite. And then Charlotte is cute, too. She has these little pigtails. Mm. Everybody else looks like um, they're from the wrong side of the tracks. (laughs) Or like they would annoy the shit out of me. (laughs) Okay, so a lot to unpack in that statement. I do think I'm just going to get ahead of the comments, ahead of the buzz. I think maybe we can take 
the wrong side of the tracks out of our vernacular. Well, no, because here's the we thing. we don't really know what you mean by that. And exactly. And I don't want you to elaborate. No, I like that people don't know what I mean because then they can assume I don't mean bad things. Because if I say white trash, then, <laughs> then we just know what I mean. But now we said it. <laughs> yeah, but like if I mean they have a drug dealer cousin, then that's on you, Polly Allen Puffer. <laughs> That's one of the kids in the class. And you feel like he probably has a drug dealing cousin. <laughs> that lives on the wrong side of the tracks, yeah. Crybaby Williams, I think, would be, if I were the teacher, my bugaboo. I can deal with a Junie B. Jones, and we'll get to it. I might have two in my home. I can be patient. You can call me every name in the book. You can yell. You can scream. There is something about a whiny child that makes me want to give them something to whine about, you know? Yeah. You don't think that Linny is cute there at the bottom with her little Lord Farquaad bangs? (laughs) I see her. No, I think that she would be annoying. Mm. Charlotte, I think, is quiet. And Jamal, I think, is charming. And everybody else, like Ricardo looks like he's farting as the photo's being taken. Roger's in a goddamn Hawaiian shirt. Roger is a kid who was allowed to watch South Park in elementary school. He had a wallet chain. He loved Eminem and he was allowed to watch South Park. Okay, so anyone that was about to type a article about me saying wrong side of the tracks, that's what I meant. You don't need to question it. Roger and that description is wrong side of the tracks. Okay, glad we solved that one. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. Do we have any background info or trivia today, Donnie? Oh my God, I brought a lot actually. Ooh. So there are 28 Junie B. Jones stories that were published between 1992 to 2013. Very sad spoiler alert 2013 is when the author died. Oh. The first 17 books follow Junie in kindergarten, and then books 18 to 28 are in first grade. And besides those, there are also three standalone books a school survival guide, a fill in the blank journal and an activity book and the series as a whole at the time of the author's death sold 55 million copies wow so Ginny's killing it but barbara park who is the author also wrote other books for young readers such as skinny bones the graduation of jake moon and mcheart was here did you read any of them but did you read mcheart was here that's the only one i read i don't think so it is dark. It's about this girl whose brother dies in a bicycle accident because he wasn't wearing a helmet. (laughs) Oh my god. You know, revisiting these books, I am starting to notice a pattern and I'm like, huh, I wonder why millennials really feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. Truly. Like, we had to go through Y2K, September 11th, and then books about being missing children or getting brain injuries from bicycles. Not a brain injury. Full death. And then we got the Lion King. Exactly. Parents dying. (laughs) If September 11th and Columbine, like if big national tragedies aren't enough to fuck you up, then maybe you'll just go through a personal one. Maybe your brother will die. My God. (laughs) But none of that is why Junie B. Jones is number 71 on the top 100 banned books of 2000 to 2009. Parents rallied behind because they said she was a bad role model due to her bad spelling and grammar and sassy attitude. 
my biggest problem is the grammar and spelling of it. Like, making her the narrator and speaking like that is telling kids that these are real words. Whereas, like, if you made her a character and the teacher was like, oh, no, the word is not assembly. It's assembly. And this is what it means. I think it might be a book that was intended for parents to read with their kids. Mm. My daughter, for her sixth birthday, got a box set of Jeannie B. Jones. And it was because my aunt was like, oh, my God, I loved reading this to my daughter when she was your daughter's age. And so I think they really enjoyed like laughing at Judy B. Jones together. Then it's a conversation of like, it's not assembly, it's assembly. Oh, that was really rude of Judy B. Jones. She shouldn't have said that. Can you believe she said that? And this book was book number three in the series with Judy B. Jones and the stupid smelly bus being number one and Mm -hmm. Judy B. Jones and the little monkey business as number two. Oh, okay. And there's like live shows of it. Like you can see touring companies of Junie B. Jones musicals. Huh. Are they meant yeah. for, I guess they're meant for kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Imagine like a gritty reboot of Junie B. Jones. Junie B. Jones kills a man. Junie B. Jones goes to juvie. <laughs> so what character of this book do you identify with? I was going to say Junie B. Jones because she constantly refers to her best friend as my bestest friend that I hate. Mm-hmm. Because I, too, have a bestest friend that I hate. <clears throat> I literally wrote that exact same joke <gasps> later on. So, right back at you, boo. And I am more Lucille. So, I <laughs> yeah. do think you are Junie B. Jones. I had to take it back because that's the only thing I have in common with her. Mm. Because the bitch cannot read a room. You feel like you read a room really well? I do. And then you actively choose to not follow social norms. Sometimes, yeah. But then if I don't feel comfortable with the people around, Mm. like if it was our little group chat group at a table and then I started saying something, you said, Donnie, I would keep going. It would amp you up. Yeah. But if you were the only person I knew and we were at a wedding table Uh, and you did that, then I would never speak again the rest of the night. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Where this bitch is just yelling in (laughs) all caps. Constantly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So not Ginny B. Jones. So I think I'm the baby because I cry a lot and I let people stick things in my mouth. (laughs) All right. Well, then I am your mother because I am Ginny B. Jones's mom. My daughters are JBJ adjacent. (laughs) I will say like stupid is a bad word in our house. Mm. The fact that she just constantly calls people stupid and dumb like that does not fly. Yeah. But in terms of like the chaos monsters, (laughs) 100% I have two of them. And I'm going to read a specific passage later on in the show, but I vibe with Mrs. Jones on like a spiritual level. I could imagine that. I don't even have kids and having children is the hardest job a person can have. And I feel like there's a big part of me that is always on the verge of a breakdown. So with (laughs) children, I absolutely would be in fetal position my entire life. Yeah, I'm spiritually there. (laughs) So you have the book in front of you. Would you mind giving us the one minute synopsis, a.k.a. read the back of the book? I would love to. It's job day in room nine. Junie B. Jones is having a rough week. First, she got punishment for shooting off her mouth in kindergarten. And now she's in big trouble again. Because Monday is job day. And Junie B. told her class that she's got the bestest job of all. Only, what the heck is it? What the heck indeed. (laughs) Donnie, you never read the series before. So before we touch any of the plot, I do want to know, what are your thoughts on Miss Junie B. Jones? (laughs) 
I hated her. When she really lost me, and this is on page two, so uh, <laughs> she lost me quite early. She's talking about her teacher. She said, my teacher's name is Mrs. She has another name too, but I like Mrs. and that's all. Well, fuck you, bitch. Because <laughs> if we're here calling you by a middle initial, you can learn my last name. At least my last name initial. That would have been her first lesson in kindergarten. Mrs. what? You want your milk at lunch? You want to be able to see the face on the milk carton as you have your carrots and disgusting cheese pizza? You say my name, bitch. Exactly. Like, I don't know who you're speaking to, Junie, because it ain't me. My name is Mrs. Bitch. (laughs) That's Mrs. Bitch to you. I do want to talk about teachers, though. Overall, did you like teachers or dislike them? Like, without thinking as an adult, how hard the job is, how important the job is, Mm -hmm. how underpaid teachers are. Just based on your childhood emotions, if I said teachers, what is your like gut feeling? Love. Oh, me too. Loved teachers. I think I loved most of my elementary school teachers. There were a couple of like, we just didn't vibe, but I didn't dislike them. I don't think Mm. I hated a teacher until high school. And that, you know, I've told stories about my high school experience and persona Uh at the time. So it could have been a me problem. No, I think, and again, I understand how we got here because it is a very hard job and you're underpaid. But I think the older the kids get, the more jaded the teachers get. So I started to see if change in teacher attitudes in middle school. But elementary school, I think everyone was lovely. Yeah. Certainly in kindergarten. Oh, I loved my kindergarten teacher. Me too. I told my kindergarten teacher that she's prettier than my mom, which isn't nice. But then nobody told me that was rude of me to say. So I went home and told my mom that. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a teaching moment could have been nice. Like, oh, that's nice. Don't say it again. Yeah. Looking back, my kindergarten teacher was very, very, very patient because I've talked about my separation anxiety issues as a kid. Mm. I think at the time, kindergarten was only like half of a day. But to me, it was like I was getting shipped off to war. And I remember Miss Hubbard like pulling me off my mom's leg like every morning being like, it's okay. You're going to be fine. Uh. I'm like shaking and I'm like, will I return, mother? (laughs) What will the year be when I see you again? I got that out of my system in preschool. Elementary school, I was okay, but I was a terror in preschool being separated I got suspended a lot in preschool for biting oh but I was also in the same preschool class as my cousin and she was my target so Mm. I was keeping it in the family okay yeah this girl named Ann bit me in third grade third grade that's too old I know I wouldn't let her cut in front of me in line so then she bit me you know what I say to that (laughs) wrong side of the track oh no (laughs) you were definitely that kid that was like in line and then if somebody tried to cut you you're like Like, you'd scoot forward. Like, first, you'd, like, passive-aggressively, like, put your shoulder there. Like, you're not getting past me. And then if they were assertive, you'd be like, no, she cut me. I don't think that's true because I like to blend in. Because I didn't know why, but sexuality-wise, like, there was a lot of not wanting to stand out. Oh. So I think her mistake was just asking if she could do it. Oh. Like, just do it. And you know I don't speak up for myself. Right. But you said, can I cut you? And I said, no. And then you bit me. If you have the balls to bite, have the balls to cut without permission. Yeah. Now I did tell that she bit me, for God's sake. Well, you should. Yeah, you have to. And also, if you are old enough to lose a tooth, you're too old to be biting. Right. Thank you. You know what I mean? I guess I always forget. I imagine you in elementary school like you are today. Mm. But it's funny to think of you as like a shy, quiet know-it-all. Depending on who... 
I would still be that way today. Yeah, I guess that's true too. And I'm that way to a degree. Like cuties that have talked to us and met us in person, I think are surprised that I'm not like, hey, good to see you. Let me talk about sucking my boyfriend's dick. Like I think that (laughs) they get to be a fly on the wall of our conversations where we are our truest authentic self. But like in a new situation, I'm very quiet as well. Oh, yeah. If a straight man cut me in line, he could bring his entire family tree. I wouldn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) You got 50 more to get in front of me? Go ahead. (laughs) So in our first chapter, we meet Junie B. Jones. The B stands for Beatrice, except Mm. she doesn't like Beatrice. She just likes B and that's all, which is telling because she is a (laughs) B-I-T-C-H. This girl is a menace to her room nine kindergarten class she makes up words wait can i stop you there i know (laughs) we're never gonna finish this 20 page book i love that we're like do we have enough material to talk about this book (laughs) she needs to end this behavior now like stop making up words stop saying words wrong because i had a friend in college one of my best friends in college actually and she continued to use baby talk as an adult to like be cute or as she would say toot so she also said love instead of love or like are you gonna come to my womb don't tell me nothing like stuff like that Uh, and this was like 2005 2007 what does that have to do with no baby talk was in for girls i must have missed that memo and i'm glad but i think we all realized Enough was enough when, well, any of those examples, but like the time when we were like, no, bitch, you really must end this. Well, she had a car who she named Lily and like treated it like a human. And I'm not a car person, so I don't know if that's normal, but she's like, Lily and I are coming to pick you up. Lily, da 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 da. Lily misses you, all that stuff. I've had friends who have named their cars. Okay. I didn't know if that was included in the like baby talk get your head checked or not but she had a car named lily that she like talked to as a human so one time she told our group that lily was towed and we just were like okay and that was that and then we were like oh my god she might like illegally park taken away towed not cold not fucking cold but we heard you say lily was towed and we thought you meant oh lily was outside all night she was towed and we're like okay (laughs) you're 22 it's time to stop (laughs) god that reminds me of the fred armison cameo on broad city where he pays the girls to clean his apartment while he wears a diaper because he likes to pretend to be a baby and then at the Uh end they try to get payment and he's like i don't have any money because i'm just a little baby (laughs) and they've like deep cleaned his whole apartment okay i don't think it's exactly like that hopefully but i don't know Well, let's get back to the first (laughs) sentence of this recap. This girl is a menace, like I said. She doesn't bother to learn her teacher's last name. She threatens classmates with knuckle sandwiches, gives unsolicited TED Talks on jelly donuts, cosplays Mm. bulls and headbutts children in the stomach, and she spends the majority of the day passive-aggressively arguing with her frenemy, goody-goody dumb bunny Lucille, which, as you've already made the joke, Donnie, (laughs) this could also be the description of our podcast. It could. I do understand having a best friend that you hate. And like most Americans, JBJ assumes that if she doesn't know something, it's stupid. For example, when Mrs. introduces the concept of career day, JBJ interjects, 
I never even heard of that dumb word careers before. And so I won't know what the heck we're talking about. She is like 100% going to grow up to be a woman who does her own research and fights with people on Facebook. (laughs) Truly. Uh, I don't know. The jelly donut thing is like loud and obnoxious, but cute. But then like stuff like this, I would have to talk to the parents. Yeah, just rude. She's like, I don't know that word, you fucking idiot. You dumbass bitch, missus. You stupid skank. It's like, well, also, Junie, I don't know if you're going to have a job when you get older, but that's a conversation (laughs) with your parents for another day. Yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? Like, when you were little, what did you think you wanted to be? I think it was ingrained. This is not a funny story. It's just sad. I think it was ingrained in me to, like, not have an imagination and pick something realistic Mm -hmm. because my parents regretted not going to college, so they felt, like, stuck in their jobs. So they were like, you're going to go to college. You're going to pick... I don't even know if I had a list of careers to choose from. It was just always teacher, 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 teacher. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. But like both of my sisters are teachers. I did go to college to be a teacher. And I think I would have been, besides hating students based on looks. And what side of the tracks they're (laughs) getting busted in from. I think in terms of lesson plans, I would have been a great teacher. But I think because I followed the rules and listened to that life plan so long that when I was alone in college and got to do what I wanted, then I like rebelled. So Mm. then that's when I changed my major and switched and stuff. And in hindsight, I probably would have had a more consistent job if I would have stuck with a teacher. But you know what? We're here. We're here. here. But my sister, this is fun. My sister had more of an imagination. So when she was little, she wanted to own a hot dog cart. Which, like, come on, entrepreneur. (laughs) I love that. I know. That's a good one. Yeah, I always, from the time I was little, I was going to be on Saturday Night Live. Uh. And look at me now with a podcast in my basement. Who says dreams can't come true? Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles 
bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. So it turns out that Judy B. Jones is maybe not a future sociopath after all because she manages to make a friend, the janitor, after he catches her eating lifesavers from the ground and teaches her about germs. So they bond over life being PU and... Cuties, I want you to make a mental note of this scene because while it might just seem like this is a throwaway moment of a disgusting child eating literal garbage, which it is, this becomes pivotal in our super duper dense plot. (laughs) And in her life, truly. Yeah, it was a real teachable moment. She'll never forget this moment. Just picking up lifesavers, popping them in her mouth. But you know what? That does happen. When I was a little kid, in that kindergarten class where my teacher was prettier than my mom, she was reading to the class and... I was so enthralled that my mouth was open like this. And she said, why is your mouth open? So then, (laughs) since then, I learned, like, keep your mouth shut. I learned how to use my jaw to close my mouth. A real teachable moment. Yeah, and it stuck with me. In kindergarten, just like Junie B. I used to eavesdrop on people. I still do. But my teachable (laughs) moment was I used to turn and like open mouth (laughs) stare. So like if we were out to eat and I was like interested in the conversation next to us, I would literally turn my chair, open mouth (laughs) stare at them until my parents were like, Chelsea, stop being weird. You're staring. And so now I know that I'm going to pretend to eat my dinner while I'm fully Mm -hmm. tuned into the drama that's happening at table six next to me. Don't you hate when other people aren't on the same page as you and you have to tell them like, shut up. I'm trying to spy. When they're like trying to have a conversation with the person that they're out to dinner with. Right. It's so annoying. It really is. (laughs) Dr. Vald does that shit to me all the time. He's like, so how is your day at work? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. They're breaking up next door. Are you not paying attention? You have your phone in your pocket. Text. (laughs) I'm busy. Can't you scroll TikTok for a minute? (laughs) So in honor of career day and the children thinking about what they want to be when they grow up, the class is visited by a cop. So Mm. Junie B. Jones takes this time to tell a delightful little anecdote about her neighbor being arrested and Officer Mike (laughs) tells the class all about his life as a cop. He gives their dad speeding tickets and he arrests drunk guys, which that literally cuties is how he describes his job as a cop. He gives their dad speeding tickets and he arrests drunk guys. (laughs) To kindergartners. To kindergartners. I'm going to keep this really quick, and one day on the Patreon, I'm going to tell the full story, but Mm. years ago, one of my first internships was at a school for kids with emotional regulation issues or trauma, and we had one of those stupid like community-building police days, 
And it was a shit show from H to T, as Tyra would say. I think the highlight of the day, and again, not funny, so thanks for tuning in for me and Donnie talking about our trauma. (laughs) But one thing that just really sums up the day is that a police officer handed a bullet around to the first grade classroom and a bullet was being passed from child to child while he said guns aren't dangerous if you know how to use them jesus christ Mm -hmm. we didn't have police day at my school but we did always have a cop on campus that was just like part of the staff they were in the yearbook all that but we also had a seeing eye dog that was part of the staff that we were like training and i think it was the cop's job to train them maybe i'm making that part up if you went to middle school with me let me know but there was definitely a cop and a dog (laughs) in my yearbook (laughs) so next up on the world tour of jobs is dr smiley the dentist do you feel like this is her real name or a stage name (laughs) it has to be a stage name or that is their last name so then everyone their whole life just told them you have have to to be be a a dentist. dentist Well, unlike the police officer who quite literally offered nothing but his helmet to the classroom of young minds. Better than, never mind. (laughs) This proficient professional teaches the class about tooth decay and the importance of brushing your teeth. And it turns out that Junie B. Jones is not the only moron in room nine because (laughs) William flosses so aggressively that he gets his teeth and his head tangled into a knot ball. However, JBJ's new bestie, the janitor, saves the day when he shines a flashlight into William's mouth and Dr. Smiley is able to set him free. Good on Dr. Smiley. I love a good children's dentist. When I I was a little kid, my dentist, I don't know if the person themselves was cool. I don't really remember. But the office was so cool. Like you would walk in and there were three arcade games lined up against the wall. Then if you went in the back, there was this thing that looked like a castle but it was a sliding board so like you could climb up hang out in the top part of the castle and then slide down Uh and then like after you went to the dentist and all that part which the actual like surgery room was painted really cool too I think that had dragons on it whatever after you were done there was a treasure chest and you could pick instead of just a lollipop at the end you could pick anything in there there were rings all kinds of little toys in there so cool so as I said that was my childhood dentist however (laughs) just because I don't like change and I don't like to do work Uh I was forced to leave when I graduated college. (laughs) They had to escort you from the top of that sliding board castle and say, sorry, mister, you are a grown man. We're going to have to ask you to slide down the slide one final time. You do not get a prize from the treasure chest. Okay, now with that said, there was an age where like when a normal kid would have stopped going to this dentist that I knew to stop using the sliding board to stop picking a prize from the thing. When you could buy cigarettes and porn, you knew it was time to stop going down that slide. No, I think even before that. But you have to remember, I didn't have a driver's license, so it was just easier for my mom to take me where she took my sisters. And I didn't want to do paperwork finding an adult dentist. Now, why I couldn't have been transferred to whatever dentist my parents went to, couldn't really tell you. But (laughs) I did go to this child dentist until I was graduated college (laughs) I think that your mom maybe enabled that situation most things yeah but I will say when you find a dentist you are 
comfortable with. There is something of like holding on tight. I have like an irrational fear of the dentist. I hated my dentist growing up. We had a very tumultuous relationship. I've told the story of how my orthodontist who was married to my dentist, it was their practice. My orthodontist took off my braces without my parents' (laughs) permission two months early because I threw a fit and was like, I need them off by prom. And so she just (laughs) did it. And it was because she like didn't want to deal with my shit anymore. And so it's like one of those things that I haven't been to a dentist in a couple years now. And it's on our to-do list because Dr. Bald knows like he has to accompany me because it's one Mm. of the few things that gives me like legit anxiety. And I don't know why. Let me come with you too and film it. Here's Chelsea having her panic attack. Here's Chelsea (laughs) crying. Well, no, you're not a doctor girly either. That's true. Yeah, I'm with you. I've been in New York, I think, 15 years now. And I've been to the dentist and doctor in that time, but like not one that I can say, oh, this is my dentist. This is my doctor. Like I bounce around all the time because I haven't felt that connection since, number one, this childhood dentist, but my doctor in my hometown either. Yeah, well, that makes me feel a little better. So, hey, cuties, if you're a dentist in Maryland and (laughs) you've got a treasure chest and a sliding board, maybe when Donnie comes in town, we'll come and visit you, get our annual cleaning. Please. Got some plaque you can (laughs) scrape off for me. So the main conflict of this complicated, nuanced page turner is that JBJ doesn't know what she wants to be when she grows up, and therefore she doesn't know what she should dress up as for career day. And the visits by... Officer Mike and Dr. Smiley haven't helped her on her eat, pray, love journey (laughs) as she says that she does not like drunk guys or bloody teeth. I mean, me neither. So Emily (laughs) is going to be an actress. Lucille is going to be a princess. Rose is going to be a famous singer. Linny is going to be a baton twirler. And Grace is going to be Mickey Mouse at Disneyland. Now, I know Mrs. has her hands full and certainly having JBJ in her classroom is pushing her to... At the best, an early retirement, but probably most likely to an early grave. (laughs) However, these job choices are not good. Like maybe we could have had a few more career presentations. Maybe we could have some courageous conversations with these kindergartners of what they envision (laughs) for their future. Like there's five days in a week. Why not at least one person a day? Yeah. Just like a cop and a dentist. We've covered all our bases. Oh, a baton twirler. That's what you want to be. Cool. Awesome. Great. (laughs) Did you ever have like a career day at your school? I don't think so. But my mom was a lunch lady. Well, then did you do take your children to work day then? So I wasn't allowed to do it with my mom. And my sisters did it with my mom. And they just said how much fun they had. I did it with my dad. And he made me actually work because the lesson was, if you don't go to college, this is the kind of job you'll have to do. So I worked an eight-hour shift for free. I think maybe he bought me lunch at Wawa. Yeah, I only did it a couple times. So my mom was the secretary at my elementary school. So like, I couldn't do it with her because then I would just be going to school. So I did it with my dad. And I still to this day don't know what the fuck my dad does. He's been (laughs) at this company for literally like 25 years. Gun to my head, I could not tell you what he does. Oh, wow. He's a busy businessman of some kind. But so when I did it with him, I took this weird like computer course. They were doing like a professional development day. So it was all about like using the World Wide Web. And Mm. I snitched on his coworker. (gasps) The person was sitting in front of me and we were supposed to be following along with the teacher. 
looking back, I'm like, oh, he was just looking at the internet. And I raised my hand and was trying to be helpful and was like, he's having trouble. He's not where we're supposed to be. And the whole room laughed. And it took me literally until like years later of reflection to be like, oh, I was a dirty snitch. How old were you? Like maybe eight or nine. (laughs) And I'm not a snitch. Like I'm not a tattletale. I truly was just in that moment. I was putting on my like professional businesswoman suit. I was like, oh, I need to be professional and help this gentleman because he's struggling (laughs) and he's clearly too afraid to speak up. I'm going to fight for the underdog and let this instructor know like he's having trouble. He needs your help. Wow. Was he fired on the spot? (laughs) No, but (laughs) one of my dad's other employees that were like government contracted or whatever, he got fired after four warnings because he watched over 18 hours a day of porn on (gasps) his government-assigned computer. No. Multiple warnings, 18 hours a day. (laughs) His dick must be bleeding. Oh, my God. 18 hours a day. At that point, you're not even using it for what it's there for. (laughs) So later that day on the bus, dejected, depressed, and still jobless, Junie B. Jones resorts to the lowest of the lows. She becomes a copycat. Mm -hmm. And when William says he wants to be a superhero, Charlotte talks about becoming a painter and Roger, who I'm sure (laughs) is on some sort of watch list at the school. Roger fantasizes about his future as a prison guard. JBJ says she wants to be all of those things too. When (laughs) Junie B. Jones says basically she wants a job where she paints, carries keys and saves people, (laughs) the bus erupts in a riot. I used to love riding the bus. Well, I don't know if that's true. I miss riding the school bus because in my head, I liked the camaraderie of it. But I'm sure I was terrorized there the same way I was in school, just without as much supervision. Uh So maybe I didn't. But like I have vivid memories of riding the bus. Number one, I was never in the back where the popular kids were. I was always in the first third. Well, I needed supervision. So if someone did try to terrorize me, I was near the bus driver. So I was always in the first four rows. And I do remember I wasn't strong enough to open the bus windows. So hard. (laughs) So I was always hot. Maybe I hated it. (laughs) Those bus windows, that was like a jigsaw puzzle. You had to have so much finger and thumb strength to like jab those things in and then down. Mm -mm. And I used to hate, so I said I loved it, but it's just three stories of things I hate it. Uh (laughs) I used to get in my stomach, like bubble guts, anxiety, wanted to die whenever there were fire (laughs) drills on the bus. Because at a certain age, like once you hit third grade, they didn't hold your hands to jump anymore. They just wanted you to jump. And I was terrified. That's a gendered thing. Because to this day, (gasps) as a woman, if I put out my hand, there will be somebody to grab my hand and help me get down. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Jealous. That would like really <laughs> stress me out too because that's a high jump. Yeah. Junie B. Jones' reign of terror is not just limited to classroom nine or the bus because mm. when she arrives home, she immediately involves her family in her chaos and drama. She gives her mom a migraine, <laughs> murders an aunt for no reason, and wakes up her baby brother, Ollie, who she fears is a dud due to his lack of rolling over, sitting up, or playing Chinese checkers. In fact, she wishes <laughs> that stupid, dumb Ollie had never come to live with her. Like, what a thing to say. Brutal. You were older when your sisters were born. Were you like smitten with them or were you trying to ship them back to the hospital? I was four when my middle sister was born. Okay. So I think there was a jealousy thing there. But by the time the littlest one was born, I was 12. So I enjoyed having a baby around. 
But when my mom was pregnant with her, I was so mad it wasn't a boy. Because at this point, I was 12 and my sister was 8. So, like, I knew we didn't gel. So I was like, I want a boy. Maybe having a girl is the problem. So I told my mom when she was pregnant, I hope it grows a penis. (laughs) (laughs) I was obsessed with my brother. We're only two years apart, like, not even, actually. And so when he was born, they called me the face because I was always six inches from his face. Like, he grew up and the first two years of his life was just... (laughs) my face in his face and I used to do this thing which is really strange you know that feeling of like when something's so cute you want to like squeeze it to death Mm -hmm. that's how I felt about my brother and whenever I would do it I learned to control myself because you know I wasn't going to commit murder on this cute little baby boy that was just brought in but I would squeeze my hands and I would go oh woogie woogie oh woogie and that was like what I would say if something was cute. And my daughter has started doing it with our dog. And her thing is she squeezes her hands like that and she goes, boob. <laughs> she calls things her boob. So like if she's telling me how much she loves me, she's like, you're my boob. Isn't that so weird? It is weird. Yeah, but I still call things woogies. <laughs> Judy B. Jones' mom has had it, which can you blame her? Can you imagine the crushing weight of realizing you are responsible for unleashing Junie B. Jones upon the world? But the final straw is when Ollie's pacifier goes missing. And the next passage is some of the most <laughs> deeply relatable shit I've ever read. Just then, mother runned out of Ollie's room, which again, Uh the grammar. Just then, mother (laughs) runned out of Ollie's room, and her hair was very sticking out, and her clothes were all wrinkly, and she was wearing one sock, and that's all. Where is it? Where is the pacifier? It didn't just disappear into thin air, you know, she hollered very loud. Then, me and daddy had to help mother look for the pacifier speedy quick, because she was losing her grip, I think. (laughs) I see you. I am you. Yeah, she is going through it. My mom used to (laughs) tell us that her head was going to explode when she got in moments like this. (laughs) No. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So we knew that meant shut the fuck up. (laughs) And so with the help of a flashlight, JBJ finds the pacifier and saves the day. And this also is an aha moment where she realizes what she can be for career day. Someone who wears jangly keys, gets to paint, and saves people with flashlights. A janitor. So on Monday, she arrives to school in her best custodial cosplay and sits through her classmates' presentations. Lucille educates her friends on how marrying a prince will set you up for life. Ricardo gives a dissertation on the various objects on a construction site that could murder you. And a boy (laughs) named Ham teaches the class how to say, you're fired. And Ham is now going to need to learn how to say, you're indicted. So finally, it's Junie B. Jones' turn. But when she tells the class she wants to be a janitor, the class laughs in her face and calls her brown pants. Which, what the fuck? I know. Especially what the fuck that this is a job at your school. So like, that is how you feel about this man that helps you every day. This is a person. In your school. Also, Junie, it's kind of a cliffhanger when she discovers what she wants to be. I mean, I don't mean to brag, but I did put the clues together at this first grade (laughs) reading level of what it might be. But it ends with Junie's parents laughing at her, too. Like, those elitist, classist pricks. Like, also, we have somebody in this class, again, literally dressed up like a baton twirler. At least Junie B. Jones is going to have a pension. Like, what the fuck? A union, perhaps. Yeah, her mom, when she decides she wants to be a janitor, her mom literally says, oh, boy. 
Excuse me? So thankfully, Mrs. intervenes and tells the class that janitors have very important jobs. And when stupid head Jim tells Junie that she can't be a janitor because she's a girl, JBJ puts on her pussy hat and, <laughs> with a standing ovation from the girls in her room, tells Jim that Sesame Street and Oprah have taught her that she can be anything she wants to be. Oprah is a little out of her watching range, I will <laughs> say. I mean, she can't even put words together. There were some heavy topics on Oprah. You know, Mrs. Jones, four o'clock every day. That was her me time. Junie's about to get off the bus and she's like, you know what? Oprah's got Dr. Phil on today and they're talking about incest. I got to tune in. <laughs> So our story ends with the class getting a visit from Gus Filoni, the janitor, who shows off his fancy tools and tells them about his life as an immigrant and his 14 years as a janitor. But when that dumb girl named Lily overhears JBJ saying how much she likes Gus, she starts the rumor that JBJ has a boyfriend, the Uh elderly janitor named Gus Filoni. Oh, Junie and her big stupid mouth. The end. And again, that's where I need Mrs. Well, no, maybe it's revenge for not using her last name. Because Mrs. should have put an end to this rumor quickly. No, Gus has been through enough in his life without having to <laughs> yeah. take those accusations. Right. My God. <laughs> so final thoughts. Who would you cast in a movie version of this book? Okay, I don't care to see just a kindergartner in her everyday life. So I would pull Junie out of this life that she's so comfortable with. This bitch has a lot to say about people in the press when (laughs) she's comfortable in her kindergarten class. But I want to do like a homeward bound lost in New York home alone situation where she gets lost and then has to deal with her attitude in the streets. And she doesn't like cops. Like, let's see what happens, honey. I didn't cast anyone, but that's the plot. So you want this reboot to end with Junie B. Jones dying. No, I do want her to succeed and get home safely, but I want her like scared to cross the street in Mm -hmm. New York traffic, but she'll find a way. Yeah, she always does. Yeah. The twist is that Judy B. Jones grows up to be that pigeon lady in Home Alone 2, <laughs> who's actually played by Pierce Morgan. Look it up. It's canon. <laughs> I was the same as you. I don't need to see this on my screen. It horrifies me that there is a live action production of this series you know what is probably even worse than reading about this little bitch is to have some 20 something playing her i'm sure in the musical it's not a little girl it's your friend michelle you know your friend from college is playing her and she's like i'm just a little baby Shout out if you're listening, friend. Oh, my God. So I fast forwarded because I'm interested to know the trajectory of this girl's life. And I think you might hate this answer, but Miley Cyrus (laughs) has been doing a lot of interviews lately. And I think she could play a modern day Junie B. Jones really well. She can play the hot mess piece. She has the like troubled childhood. I want to see like what does Junie B. Jones do for work? Is she still living with her parents? Was she in Burning Man with that whole debacle this year? Uh I think she might be. Like, I'm really curious to see what (laughs) JBJ grows into. Listen, I will never say no to Miley Cyrus Project, so I accept that. Thank you. (laughs) So final, final thoughts. What aged well about this book and what aged like Borders? 
Okay, not to be on the side of book banning parents, but her spelling and grammar really do bother me, especially, like I already said, she is the narrator, there's no one there to correct her, etc. So I think that has got to go. But in terms of like plot and her attitude, I don't care. I have an attitude too. Yeah, I actually, I think it's one of those books that it makes kids want to read because they feel like they're doing something naughty. So Mm. I think having a protagonist who has a good heart and just sometimes says the wrong thing can be deeply relatable to people. As I've just shit-talked her for an hour, now I'm going to say, but I liked her. She was fine. (laughs) I think also, obviously, one thing that aged well, the feminist messaging Mm. and the fact that Junie B. Jones is a lot of things, but she is not an elitist, classist little bitch. That's true. Everyone she knows is, but you know what? Sometimes that's the world you live in. (laughs) I will say also in terms of what aged like borders – There wasn't as much in this book specifically, but there should be a book called Junie B. Jones and Her Microaggressions because there are certain plots in this series that don't go down as Mm. smooth as this one. Oh, wow. So with that, that's it. We did it. Wonderful. We did. Next week, we're covering The Magic Tree House tonight on the Titanic featuring James Cameron on (laughs) 9-11. I cannot wait. I do not know what to expect. I hope all these little kids die at the end. <laughs> Have you read any of the Magic Tree House? No, but I know they time travel. And they stuff. time travel, but like yeah. I can't wait to see how they tow this line, thread this needle, because I don't think they're going to be saving anybody else. No, I would assume not. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be warning that captain about the iceberg. <laughs> so I can't wait, cuties. And then, yeah, we'll be back next week. Patreon cuties, thank you for bearing with me. Mm. This was a particularly unhinged behind the scenes. So if you want to experience the madness, the chaos, and all of that, patreon.com slash I am the cute one. Where I did give a monologue about my deaf grandfather while Chelsea was gone letting the dog in. So that'll be a surprise for her. Oh, and I will be listening to that for the first time when I edit this episode. Okay, patreon.com slash I am the cute one. What the fuck? Okay, see you next week, cuties. Talk to you later. Love, Love you like, like a sister. sister. Bye. Bye. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you for listening to I am the cute one, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash I Am The Cute One. And go to I Am The Cute One.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you later. later. Love you like, like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.